0: in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Matthew. We'll be in the book of Matthew, chapter number 14. Last Sunday morning, we were in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, and we looked at the church of Ephesus. And one of the things that we saw there is that the Bible challenges us to serve the Lord God. We are to serve Him with our life, but we're not just to serve Him for blind causes. The Bible tells us not only are we supposed to serve Him, not only are we supposed to do the works, but we're supposed to do the works For the right reasons. And the only reason that we should be doing the work is because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else is vain, anything else is void, anything else is false. If you're doing it for any other reason than because you love Jesus Christ, then the reason is wrong. I've been studying. Well, God done got up all up in this house. (laughs) I've been studying. The seven churches. I've been studying the letters to the seven churches. In all honesty, I, last year coming into Judgment Journey and throughout Judgment Journey, we did a series through Nehemiah. We studied Nehemiah and the work and the building of the wall and working together as one to to build some walls. And this year, honestly, I thought I'd be in the seven churches. And granted, the seven churches are not really they're written to churches, but they're really written about dispensation periods of time. We're in the day of that seventh church, the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church, and, and I thought that I would be doing a series through the churches and, and be doing that on Sunday morning. I'll be honest, I left here last Sunday. I've been praying and studying all week on and God, what church? Would you have me to preach on this week? I studied yesterday until I finally just got up and went down to the shop for a little while, um, somewhat without answers, and finally last night I, uh, I gave in and sent the title to Larry and I'm not I'm not talking about the church at all. Um. some things have come up during the week and just things come along and reality comes in and, and sometimes the enemy sets stuff in place and different challenges arise and, and so within my own studies for my own self and my own life and seeking direction and seeking wisdom and wanting to know that you're in the perfect will of God. Anybody want to know the answer to that question, that you're in the perfect will of God? Anybody have a desire? Anybody know it takes some time alone? It takes some time in prayer? It takes some time away from people? It takes time away from people you love? It takes time away from your family? Whew. Sometimes it just takes some time to get along with Him. And so all week I I have been studying... I say all week, nearly about all week for the last several days. I have been studying on my own account. Basically, if I could put a title to it, I have been studying faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. What does it take to follow God? what, What does it take? I have been studying these churches and looking at their strengths and their weaknesses and looking at their successes and their failures and looking at the thing where God complimented them and then God turned around and condemned them. And all of a sudden, I've come down to this personal study of faith versus fear. What does it look like to follow God? What does it look like to follow God no matter what? I studied quite a bit from the the Corinthian letters because we've been studying that for several weeks on Wednesday night and it just happened to fall in on Wednesday night that we were looking at the very fact that every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us is children of God. Thank God you'll never see the great white throne of judgment. You'll never be condemned to hell, but there is a judgment day coming for the child of God. And you'll be judged by what you did in this life. You'll be judged by what you did with this life. You'll be judged, but did I listen to men or did I listen to God? Did I follow what I believe God wanted me to do? Did I do the things that God called me to do? Did I do things without fear and failure? Did I do things for the right reasons because I love Him? We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so this morning what I want to do, Is talk a little bit on this subject of the things that I've looked. Because as I looked at following God, I had questions in my mind. What if the place where you're following God to doesn't make sense? What if what it looks like God's telling you to do, what if the direction God has given you, what if it just doesn't make good common sense? What if I can do what the Bible says? What if I can write it down and make it plain? What if I can count the cost? And I write it down, I make it plain, I count the cost, and it doesn't add up, and God says do it anyway. I was looking uh, on Wednesday night. I used a little bit from the book of Hebrews, and Lord willing, maybe you can be back tonight. It'll be a very encouraging message for you from the book of hebrews but as i looked and i'll get to matthew in a minute i haven't forgot you but as i looked in hebrews this week and studying some things for myself it says in hebrews chapter 11 and verse number six whew, i don't know if i'm gonna get over it or not but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not anything else. Not personal gain or glory or satisfaction or pat on the back. But those who diligently seek him must believe that, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an art to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out. Now, here's the whole story. Here's the whole text of all this for me. He left home. He left everything he knew. He left his family. He left everything that he'd ever known in his life, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith Sarah and also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang even one of them, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and the sandwiches by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they, they that say such things declare plainly. You see that one there? They that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he there received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also received him in a figure. Abraham set out to go to a place that God would show him. He ain't never seen it. He, He don't know where it's at. He left everything that he ever knew, all security and all stability, to go to this place, a place that he's never been before, a place that he didn't even know how to get to. As a matter of fact, he didn't even know the place existed, except that God said, I'm going to show it to you. The only reason that that he even believed is because God said, You go, and and I'm going to show you the place. So he set out to go even though he didn't know where he was going, how or when he was going to get there. So I studied a lot of things this week for myself. I studied some things for me in seeking wisdom and and direction, and I I am fully convinced as I have been up since 3.30 this morning that God wants me to share some of this with you. So a lot of this has been written relatively recently. (laughs) Maybe you never wonder, is it the right direction? Maybe you never wonder, is it God? Or is it just you wanting to do something? Is it God or is it men? Maybe you never have any doubts, is this the right direction? Because on paper it looks all wrong. On paper to add it up and to count the cost, it just doesn't make sense. I want to bring a message this morning entitled Phew. Phew. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the water. I wonder how many of us in here have ever been in some storms before in our lives. Wonder if everybody's been out on some stormy troubled seas i wonder if anybody ever felt like you've been in some shipwrecks in your life i've been in some situations and i know a lot of us have where we thought i'm going to drown in this one i'm never going to get out of this one i don't see any way out but god made a way anybody have any god made a ways in your life Here in our text this morning is one of the great miracles of the Bible. It's where Jesus, most everybody knows the story where Jesus fed the multitude and Matthew chapter 14, and he came and the multitude is gathered and you have the 5,000 men plus women and children and Jesus took the five loaves and the two little fishes and he fed the multitudes and the Bible says that they took up 12 baskets of fragments and here on the, on the hill of that great miracle, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22 says that straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. There's an incredibly powerful message for every one of us right there. And when he separated himself from everything else, he didn't need the disciples. He didn't need the people that loved him or the people that he loved. He didn't need anybody. He just needed the Father. He just needed some power. He needed some strength. And the way to get it was to get some alone time with the Father. He went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come... He was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a Spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me that I should come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth thou art the son of God God thank you so much for this book thank you for your word thank you for your wisdom thank you Lord for your faithfulness Lord you said if any man lack wisdom let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not Lord I pray you'd give us that wisdom Lord I pray right now would you move among your people God, I pray you'd speak to each one of us different. God, every one of us in this place is walking in from a different storm, a different trial, a different place, a different success, a different mountain, a different valley. God, everybody's come here from different directions in different ways, and everybody needs something that only you can give. God, I come and ask you in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus that is above every name, may you speak to every individual in this place, God, as you see necessary that we might walk out what a better servant than what we come in. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how many of you have ever had a close call on the water? Anybody ever been in some bad situations on the water? I, um, when our kids were smaller, we went down to the dam on the pontoon boat. Now, that's been around 2008 or so. They weren't a whole lot smaller, but we went down to the dam, and we're coming back up the lake headed back towards Clark Access up here where we'd put in, and we're about midway up of the main body of the water down below Pine Road Park where they do the, the, the fireworks, and we're in that big body of water headed this way, and here comes a storm headed that way. And you can see it coming, and there ain't nowhere to go. There ain't no getting out of it, nowhere to take shelter. We had stopped the boat right down in the middle of the lake, wind blowing, soaking wet, pouring down rain 15, 20 minutes, and it went on by. We got up out of of Florida boat and look around. There was other boats, and we're all just kind of laughing and looking at each other because we all got caught in the same spot. We out in the middle of the lake. Like, where in the world did that come from? Sometimes storms just show up, and you don't have any way out of it. I was down in Alabama fishing by myself on the river just a few years back, and uh, there was a storm coming up the river, and I thought that's not good because my trailer's down the river and. There ain't nowhere to go up here. So I fished till it got close, and the lightning started getting so close to me. I said, man, I got to take my best shot and get out of here. I started back down, and it's just all rocks, and you're trying to pick your way through the rocks and bouncing off. And about that time, I'm only about from that wall from the bank, and right up on the bank, lightning hit right there on the bank. I was in an aluminum boat. Fortunately, I had a rubber bottom in it, but apparently the electricity traveled in the water, and I had my hand on top of a plastic knob that's on a metal steering rod in the fire jumped off of that rod and, and hit my finger and traveled through my body and shocked me. And I went through some rocks wide open. All of a sudden, I didn't care if I hit rocks or not. <laughs> Sometimes storms just come up in life, man, and you, you find yourself in, in bad situations. Here in our text, here in our text, the disciples are in a, in a bad situation. Uh, our disciples have found themselves out in a storm had they had they never gone out onto the water they would have never been in this storm but had they never been in this storm they would have never seen that miracle it took the backdrop of the water to create the storm to create the situation to give us the miracle it took the miracle to strengthen the children of god it took the miracle the miracle to show them that no matter what the situation is God was still in control. There's many storms in our lives, and we find ourselves in different situations from time to time, as an individual, as a family, and to be honest, as a church. We find ourselves in different situations. They're all situations that will force us to decide, am I going to just trust God right here in the things that I can't see? Am I going to just trust God? to take me to the places I can't see, show me the things that, that I can't see, or am I going to pull up short because I can't see the answer from here? Am I going to chicken out because I don't know what it looks like over there? It don't look good from here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It Don't look good from here. Am I going to chicken out because I can't see what's over there, even though I believe God's telling me to go over there? Or am I just going to go forward trusting God to take care of the things that are unseen? When the children of Israel came to the shores of the Red Sea, that they were faced with a situation. They have been delivered from the bondage of Egypt. They come out, and now here here they stand. God has done some of the most amazing miracles in all of the Bible and forced the Pharaoh to let them go. He's brought them out of bondage by his strong hand. In Exodus chapter 14, this is after God's children have been let go from Egypt, and now they're headed for the promised land. Verse number 5. (coughs) <coughs> it says it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. He made ready his chariot and took his people with him. <coughs> he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. The word of God tells us that the Egyptians are coming after them. The Red Sea is in front of them, and Pharaoh's army is behind them. They have nowhere to go, they have nowhere to run, and they have no strength to fight. Verse number 13 Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Do you believe this morning that the same God that fought for them is the same God that fought for you? Do you believe this morning that that God is your God? Do you believe that he's the same God then that is the same God now that will be the same God tomorrow? Do you believe that if he fought for them that he will fight for you? So the text goes on. It says, verse number 17, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get mine honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor. Notice it says, I've gotten me honor. It didn't say anything about you or about the children of Israel. When I've gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, "...upon the horsemen and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them, and it became, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness unto them, but it gave light by night to these, and so that the one came not near the other all the night." Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillow of fire and the cloud, and it troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off <coughs> the, their chariot wheels and, and they drave them. Heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots. And the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came in the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So we see that God made a way out of no way. Everybody see that. When there was no way, God made a way. So in verse number 31, it says that Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. It goes on the next verse in chapter 15, verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously." The horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea. And the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father is God and I will exalt him. So in verse number 21 of chapter 15, it says, Sing ye to the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what, shall we drink? He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved them. Man, what a miracle. What an absolute display of the power of God. As if he hadn't seen enough with the plagues of the lice and the the, the locusts and the the frogs and the water turning to blood. As if they hadn't seen enough when they saw the Passover lamb. As if they hadn't seen enough of all that God's already done. What a miracle. What a display of God's power to part the Red Sea. And dry it up immediately. They didn't walk across in slop or mud. But God made a highway through the ocean. The people are singing and praising God and rejoicing for three whole days. Three days, and they're already complaining. Three days away from the miracle. Just a few days away from all the miracles back in Egypt. Just about four nights away from the Passover lamb and and where the death angel passed over Three days away from the parting of the Red Sea, and already they're saying, What have you done for me lately? Numbers chapter 13, they've crossed the wilderness. They've come to the borders of the promised land. They stand at the doors of the promised land. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. If you don't get nothing else out of nothing else, I want you to see the next thing that God said to them. I want you to send them over, search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. That is a settled issue. God has said it's yours, but it's going to require some stuff from you in a little bit. I want you to send them over there to the land, which I give unto the children of every tribe of their fathers. Shall you send a man? every one a ruler among them. So let's look at that for just a minute. Let's just look at the statement. If God has already given them the land, and he clearly has because he just said he has, then why did God send spies over there? If God's already given them the land and and they're going to go there, why, why did he go over? Was it so that they could come back and tell God how big the enemy was? Was it so that they could come back and tell God what they were up against? No, God already knew what was on the other side. Somebody needs to pay attention. God already knew what he was going to do if you had the faith to go over there. God already knew the size of the giant. God already knew the size of the miracle. God already knew the size of the task. He just wanted you to know so you could see what he did for you. He sent him over there to go over and see. God already knows that if the people have enough faith to go, he's about to do something amazing. <coughs> so Moses... Sends the spies over and they go over and they spy out the land, whether whether the land be good or bad, and whether the inhabitants be strong or weak, whether they dwell in tents or in fortified cities. In verse number 25, Numbers chapter 13, the Bible says, They returned from searching the land after 40 days. They went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to the whole, unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came to the land where thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. If at that moment they had said God promised a land and it's an awesome land in the power of God, let's go possess it. The whole first third of this book is totally different. Everything in the front third of this book would have to be totally rewritten. Many of the things that the New Testament reflects back on and talks about would have to be rewritten. Had they had the faith to go do what God told them to do at the moment he told them to do it, the whole story becomes totally different. All God said is, go over and take the land. verse number 28 of Numbers chapter 13, after they've told them about how good the land is and after they've told them flowing flow them with milk and honey and after they've shown them the fruit, they said, nevertheless. Anybody remember last week's message? Uh-huh. Avoiding nevertheless. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in that land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land in the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we're able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. That's their whole problem right there. They got their focus in the wrong place. They got the focus on we. They got the focus on I. They got the focus on us. They got the focus on self instead of being on the power of God. The reason this whole story winds up the way it does is because they got their focus in the wrong place. It boils down not do you think you can do this. Do you think you can make it work? How does it look on paper to you? It boils down to this. Do you believe God wants you to do it? And do you believe God can do it? That's what it all boils down to. God said, I'm going to give you the land. I just want you to go see it first. I just want your faith to be strong enough to believe. See, God may want you to see the size of your enemy before he shows you the size of your miracle. God may want you to see the size of the storm on radar coming in and knowing that it's coming your way and you can't get out of the way so that you can see the size of your miracle. God may need you to see the situation to see whether or not you're going to doubt him and stop or whether or not you're going to move forward. Because they doubted God, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They wandered in the wilderness until every one of them died. Every one of the adults, and that day God said, they'll not go in. Their children went into the promised land, but they didn't. They died in the wilderness. Forty years later, after all the parents have died, God brings them to the doorstep of the promised land again. This time, they're standing at the bank of the Jordan River. The waters of the Jordan River is in front of them, and the wilderness is behind them. On the other side of the river is the promised land. On the other side of the river is everything that God is going to give them. But also on the other side of the river are the giants. Also on the other side of the river, in the same place, are the fortified cities. Joshua chapter 3, they get some instructions. The instructions are, you must get in the water first and stand still. Joshua chapter 2, before I get to 3, they, they sent the two spies. They went over and they came back and they said to Joshua in chapter 2 and verse 24, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Chapter 3, verse 2, it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. They commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near it, that ye may know the way by which you must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel. They may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Thou shalt command the priest that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. So the instructions are you must first get in the water. Verse number 13, it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above and they shall stand upon and heap. And it came to pass when the people were removed from their tent to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people and as they bear the ark were come unto Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth his banks all the time of harvest and that the waters ...which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap... ...very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zaratan, ...and those that came down toward the sea of the plain... ...even the salt sea failed and were cut off... ...and the people passed over right against Jericho... ...and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord... ...stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan... ...and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground... ...until all the people were passed clean over jordan god has prepared a great miracle he has brought them to the banks of the jordan river he has shown them the enemy he has shown them the fortified walls he has shown them the dangers that are on the other side he's brought them to the river when the river is at its highest point when it's flooded during the harvest season it's all outside of his bank is at its widest place and he said if you want to see the miracle you're going to have to step into the water wonder how many of us would be willing to step into that water. Well, oh, it's a long way to the other side. You, you can't see the other side. The, the river's wide and the waters are deep and it's in the flood season, so the, the current is strong. The enemy will tell you that it's too wide. The enemy will tell you that it's too deep. The enemy will tell you that it's too strong, that you can't overcome. Do we listen to the enemy or do we listen to God? See, I want what's on the other side. But it's not going to be easy because the enemy is strong. The enemy is powerful. The enemy is even sneaky. The storm may be difficult. So will we stand on the bank of the Jordan and look over at what could have been? Or will we step into the waters? The waters of the Jordan, if you look at the story and and you pay attention, what you'll see is that the waters of the Jordan did not part like the waters of the Red Sea. See, that was their first opportunity. They've been slaves for all these years. They've been in bondage of Egypt. They ain't had to live by faith. They were told what to do every day. They had to make bricks out of straw and mud. They they ain't never had to live by faith. They, They come here, they've seen a few miracles. They saw God do some things over the past few days. But here at the Red Sea, they've not learned what it's like to live by faith. So God didn't require anything big out of them. He said, you just stand still and watch this. Let me teach you something about faith. Let me let you see faith. Let me let you see my awesomeness, my power. Let me let you see what I can do, what I'm capable of that you can't do. You just stand still and let me show you something. See, it was new to them right then, that they never had to do it. So all Moses had to do was hold his staff up over the Red Sea, and the Red Sea parted, and God did the great miracle before them. But here we are 40 years later. They've been through some stuff now. Oh, they know something about faith now. They know what it's like to eat the bread of heaven every day now. They know what it's like to wake up every morning by faith, knowing that the manna is going to be on the ground tomorrow morning. You can't put it in your bag and store it up. It'll rot in your bag. They've learned some things about faith. They've learned what it's like to be without water in the wilderness, and God bring water gushing out of the rock. They know what it's like to see God do some miracles. It's not new to them anymore. They've seen God supply their needs when they had no way. They've seen their clothes last for 40 years in the wilderness. They've watched as their shoes didn't wear out. They know a little something about faith now. God is prepared to do another miracle, but this time it's going to take something from you. God introduced you into faith in a new way. He didn't require anything out of you, but He's shown up for you enough times now. You got some things to draw from. You got some strength to pull from. You got some things to hold on to. God's already brought you through some storms. God's already calmed some stormy seas in your life. God's made some ways out of no ways. He's let you see some stuff, and now He wants you to pull from some of the things that you already have because God wanted to grow your faith bigger than it's ever been. God requires some things different here. For 40 years, they have some things to draw from. Very interesting to me. Very interesting to me. Faith is 41 years old. Should be 42 in January. We've seen some God. We've seen God do some amazing miracles around here over the years. We're sitting in buildings that were once just prayers. And now there are answers. We're standing on real estate that once was prayers. There's land by here. We're getting ready to do judgment journey on land that once was just a prayer. But now it's answered prayers. But the promise isn't in the things that are behind us. The promise is on the other side of the Jordan. We ain't got where we're going yet. We haven't arrived. Do we have the faith to step into the waters? What if the waters get knee deep? Do we keep walking? Do we stop and wait to see if God's gonna stop the flow? What if it gets waist deep and it feels it's pulling us down current a little bit? Do we keep walking? Or do we wait to see if God's gonna stop the flow? What if we get so deep that we're on our tippy toes, you got your nose in the air, and the water's there, and the only thing sticking up is your snout like a snorkel? trying to get a little bit of air, and the current's washing you down and you're holding on. Do you stop going the way God said go and say, God, I'm not taking another step till you show me what's over there? Or you just keep going knowing that God said I want you to go that way, and you go that way? Or do you turn around and go back and camp out in the shallow waters? Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. It's his favorite verse the truth of the word of God. Faithful is he that calleth you. The problem is when you start thinking you can do it or you can't. The only part of it you got right is you can't. And it doesn't say you can. I can do all things how? Through Christ which strengtheneth me. So let me, let me just ask them. I don't know. I think it's a fair question. It's an honest question. How many of you just want to see God? Do something amazing. You just want to see God do something in this town that no man can deny, that nobody can reject, that nobody can turn away from. They may not accept Christ, but they can't can't deny the power of God. How many of you just want to see God do something great on this campus? How many of you want to see God do something great in October? How many of you want to see God do something great through your life, through what you do, through your efforts, through your trials? How many of us just want to see God do something amazing? So I was looking back at Judgment Journey, 21 years of Judgment Journey. They're all on the plaque right there. Over 90,000 souls saved. Yeah. We've seen God part some red seas. We've seen God calm some stormy waters around here. We've seen God step in and do the impossible many times over the years. We, we've seen souls saved in Judgment Journey. that people say, that's some hard people right there. They ain't coming to no church. They'll never get saved. They're too far out there. We, we've seen grown men crying under the power of God down there in those woods. Right. We've seen God do some amazing things. For 21 years, we've done, we, we've done Judgment Journey in October. For 21 years, we've done Judgment Journey when the, the only thing you can say about the weather is that it is 100% unpredictable. You have no idea what the next weekend will hold. You, you, can, you can be gathered around a fire on one night and wearing shorts with an air conditioner the next night. You just never know what it's going to be. We've done it every Friday and Saturday. We've done it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We've done it on Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And all y'all said thank you that we're not doing it that way again. I remember several years ago, it was pouring down rain. And all of us that was here will easily remember the story. It was raining all afternoon. And the forecast was for rain. And I'm sure most of us sitting at home probably thought we're not going to be doing judgment journey tonight. Whew. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> Somebody stepped into the water. I don't know if it's Charles Chapman, Ray Ham, Brandon Brooks, I don't know if it's some of your Deacons, Randy Little, Tyrone Montgomery, Larry Astin, Paul Hutchins. Somebody stepped into the water. And they said, "You know what? Tell the people to come on. We're going to do judgment journey." At the time, I was a red horseman, J.B. was a white horseman, and, and we didn't have all y'all's fancy stuff for the roof. All we had was a little platform big enough for two chairs to get off the horse on and down there in the woods. And I went out behind the house pouring down rain, got soaking wet. I had four horses at the time, a black, a bay, and two sorrels. I loaded them up, come down here, we got them unloaded in the woods and got down there. And about the time they got ready for judgment journey to start, the rain stopped. And we sat down there and rode horses all night. And JB and I remember even our conversation. We talked about how beautiful it was to look up. You ever have one of them nights you just can't remember? It's just one of those. Man, there were stars everywhere. Cause where we was, we couldn't see nowhere but straight up. We in the woods on our little stool. We get up, ride out and do our stuff. We come back and sit down, and all we could see was stars. I remember we loaded them. We come back up. And we was right back here in the parking lot. And got in the parking lot and looked, and there was a perfect lighted halo around this campus about a half a mile from this campus there was a lighted ring that went 360 degrees around this campus and all that was clouds but everything right there was stars i thought man that's beautiful i didn't know how beautiful it was yet we got in the truck and headed home i ain't going a mile down here and it's pouring down rain i got to my house it's pouring down rain I unloaded horses in the pouring down rain. Yeah, I put them up cold and wet. Sorry. It was raining. I wasn't going to do nothing with them anyway. But you know what I found out? Is that it rained all night long. You know what I found out? Is that everybody that came here that night made a decision to drive in the rain. Everybody that came drove here in the rain. And they drove home in the rain. But right here. It didn't rain. And what created that halo was that God put an opening in the clouds, and it's raining all the way around us, but the moon and the stars hitting the rim of those clouds was making a halo. I'm telling you, we've seen God part some red seas right here on this campus before. But that's yesterday's story. That's yesterday's faith. That was somebody else's call that had enough faith to step out and do what they believed God wanted them to do when it really didn't make sense. It's pouring down rain. The forecast says it's going to rain. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up on paper. It just doesn't look possible. But in order to increase faith more, you're going to have to walk through some waters that's deeper than any you've ever walked through before. You're going to have to face some challenges that's different. The truth is, true faith requires moving forward when you can't see the answer. True faith requires moving where you believe God wants you to go. you believe that you're following God. You believe that what you're doing is for the glory of God. you believe that what you're doing is so that the kingdom of God might be added to. It. You believe that this is what God would have you to do, and you also believe that if you are willing to attempt it, then God is able and willing to bless it. Hallelujah. Well it never comes easy. you'll have your opposition. You, you'll, you'll have those against you. Everybody's not going to hold your arms up while the battle's raging. No. I'm sure there was some, some Donald Yancey's in the crowd that night that would have said, I cannot believe I'm out here loading these horses in this rain. Ain't no way we're doing that tonight. I'm sure there was some doubters among us. Well, it was one of us anyway. But somebody had enough faith to say, I believe this is what God wants us to do. And even though it don't make sense, this is what we're going to do. The enemy's going to take his shots at you. He's going to do everything he can to discourage you. He's going to show you all the reasons that you can't succeed. He's going to show you all the reasons that failure is inevitable. He's going to show you all the reasons that you shouldn't do what you think you should do, even though you know God told you to. He's going to make sure that the waters in front of you look like a dark in a dangerous place. Don't go there. Can I tell you this this morning? Don't be afraid of the waters. He's the master of the seas. He's the only one that can calm them. It doesn't matter if it's a stream or a river, an ocean or a sea. He's the God of the waters. You can spend your whole life in the shallows if you want to. You can spend your whole life wading around. You can spend your whole life in ankle-deep water. You can spend your whole life making sure that you're out where nothing can happen to you. You can live in the safety of the shores as long as you want to. But that's not the way God made you. That's not the way God designed you. I'm going to get Philip to play a song in the morning. Ray used to sing it all the time. He said, these old ships were made to sail. My you can sit in the harbor if you want to. You can paint your boat all up, make it look all pretty, and you can sit there in the comforts of the docks if you want to. You can look good to the people passing by if you want to. You can stay in the safety of your little harbor and walk around in the shallow waters on the beach if you want to. But God made these ships to sail. God made these ships to trust Him. God made these ships to set out on some stormy seas and just go out and be what he's called us to be and by faith. God expects us to follow Him not what paper looks like, not thoughts and opinions, sometimes you just got to step into the water. And you just got to keep on walking that way no matter how deep it gets, believing that God's going to make a way out of no way. Before you get too far, God will part it. You'll be on dry land. And you ain't got to worry about the enemy because if they try coming behind you, he'll drown them when he closes the waters back in. Sometimes you just got to go forward on faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you once again this Sunday, as many of you as will, to come to this altar and pray. I want to see what's on the other side of the Jordan. I don't want to see no what if. There's going to be enough things at my judgment day that God's going to say, that could have been yours if you had the faith. That could have been yours if you would have just listened. All those rewards would have been yours if you have just followed me. All those would have been yours if you would just done the things that I told you to do. If you would just accepted the challenges that I gave you. But the problem is, you didn't have enough faith to follow me. I don't want to add to that list of things that I did wrong. I don't want to add to the times that I doubted him. I don't want to tie, add to the times that I failed him. I, I, I want to follow him in faith. And it's going to take prayer. It's going to take the prayer of people. Would all of you stand to your feet, please? I'm going to ask as many of you as you will to come join him at the altar. I know you can pray where you are. I get that. I do. You can pray right where you're standing. But I'm asking you this morning, would you come to the altar and gather together as one people, as many of you as you will. Would you come just be arm in arm, side by side, together in one place that the power of God might fall right here. May you ask God to bless this place, to move on this place. May you ask God to show us things. Philip, bro, if you don't mind, go ahead and play that song.